Hello, and thank you for tuning into Mum Talk, hosted by myself, Emma Jolin, mum to Amandine, now a toddler, and our new addition, Elwood, born this May. If you are new here on this podcast, I share my journey as a mum from pregnancy to life with a baby, toddler, and now as a mum of two, sharing all the highs and all the lows. Not only am I joined by incredibly knowledgeable guests, some experts in their field, but also mums and dads sharing their experience of pregnancy and parenthood. As always, you can trust in Mum Talk to be honest, real and informative and provide plenty of nod along and me too moments. Wherever you may be, thank you for listening and enjoy being part of today's conversation. If you have listened from the very beginning of Mum Talk, you will know it was love at first sight when I met the products created by the midwives at My Expert Midwife. When pregnant with Amandine and Elwood, not a day went by where I didn't use my favourite product, Fantastic Skin Elastic. I feel incredibly honoured to be working with My Expert Midwife, a brand that has truly supported me physically through both of my pregnancies. Recovery after childbirth can be challenging, both emotionally and physically. My Expert Midwife have created a recovery duo designed to soothe bruising, swelling and soreness of the perineum after birth. This includes Spritz for Bits, which provides instant relief to the perineum. You will have heard me raving about this after my first pregnancy, plus the new Soak for Bits, a must-have to add to those first few baths after your baby is born to aid recovery and soothe aching muscles. I could go on and on and rave about every single product I have tried. I know how important it is to have confidence and trust that what you are putting on your skin is 100% safe for pregnancy and baby. For me, using My Expert Midwife products gave me that trust and confidence. My Expert Midwife not only develop incredible products, they provide midwife expertise for pregnancy, birth and becoming a new mum. To find out more on how to prepare and recover from childbirth, visit My Expert Midwife at www.myexpertmidwife.com. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Mum Talk, Series 10, Episode 6, and I have a brilliant guest joining me today, but firstly, I have no idea how I am actually sitting here finishing off this podcast because I always do the beginning of the podcast after I've recorded the podcast, but my goodness, today has been a day. The the podcast recording didn't quite go to plan. And I have to tell you this because I literally just dive straight into the podcast with Vern. So I managed to get Elwood down at about 1.15 thinking, brilliant, he's down, he's going to sleep, this is going to be great, I'm so organized, super mum moment. And then 10 to 2, and I was interviewing um, and chatting with Vern at 2, 10 to 2 he wakes up. So I'm lying on the bed, boob in mouth, emailing Vern saying, I'm just going to be there, give me a few more minutes, I'm going to be there, I'm coming, I'm just trying to settle Elwood. Didn't happen, did it? So run and get my laptop, scooch onto the bed, whisk him up, swaddle and all, put him back on the boob, chatting to Vern, who's wonderful and can't get my call recorder to record the call. Then I managed to completely cut Vern off and then back on. Elwood starts not wanting boob anymore, unzip the swaddle, he's sick everywhere on me, he does a massive poo in his nappy, it's just one of those pod recording, podcast recordings and I'm thinking, this is just never going to happen, this is never going to happen, but it did, Vern was so incredibly patient the whole time during this podcast, I am extremely grateful, 
Um, and then after the podcast recording, Amandine piles in, Hendrik piles in, Elwood is happy as Larry, obviously, to see Hendrik, as he always is. Amandine isn't particularly well, she's got an upset stomach, she is just whining left, right and centre, bless her, of course she's not feeling well. She's, like I said, got an upset stomach, so she managed to have an accident on the sofa, and oh, once that happened I just thought, you know what, I am just going to surrender to this moment and take a deep breath. I'm going to deal with that issue tomorrow, which I am (laughs) going to deal with it tomorrow and just let the rest of this day ride out in calm. But I wanted to finish this podcast for you so it was all ready to go for your ears on Wednesday. So today, joining me, I have the wonderful, wonderful Vern Hill. He is the founder and creator of CarryFit. CarryFit is an incredible concept which Vern came up with. He will tell you all about it, but essentially it is baby wearing workouts. So you can have a workout, get strength, get your strength back after giving birth whilst carrying your baby. So you don't have to try and put them down for a nap or make sure they're busy doing something else or have them crawling or walking around you. So it is just such a fantastic concept. I have been doing them and they are just brilliant. I have managed to do them a couple of times whilst Amandine's been sleeping, so that's one child sorted, and I've been carrying Elwood. And as you know, Elwood is a weight and a half, so it's been really, really great. I've really been enjoying them. So Vern himself, he is an antenatal and postnatal fitness expert. He's a personal trainer and a father of two, and also a qualified baby-wearing consultant. And that is most of what we talk about today, because most of your questions today, which you sent in, were around baby wearing and he shares some really really interesting facts about baby wearing that I didn't have any idea about and it just goes to show how incredible baby wearing can be not just for you as a mum or dad but also um, for baby's development so I will leave you to listen to the rest of this podcast I found it incredibly informative do make sure you go and check out carry fit because It is fantastic, especially if you are uh, feeling like you want to get back into some exercise postnatally and you're not too sure where to go or who to reach out to. I would definitely have a little look at CarryFit and see if it suits you and uh, the needs that you have right now, see if it'll meet those. I will catch you guys at the end. Bye. Thank you so, so much for joining me on the podcast. No worries. I really, really appreciate it. We've had so many questions. All of them, as you can imagine, are around the same topics. So talking about um, postnatal, especially, obviously, with carry fits, but postnatal exercises, what you should and shouldn't be doing, and also yep. loads of baby wearing. Well, why don't we start by telling tell us a little bit about yourself. So how, how did you get into creating carry fit, which is such an amazing um, platform for new mums and also incredibly successful? I imagine you training you know mums all over the world so carry fit was kind of a product i guess of what i was doing before so after university and doing a sports science degree i went straight to work in the health club industry went to work for homes place which doesn't even exist anymore that's how old i am (laughs) um and then after working there for a number of years i set up on my own and actually opened up a little private personal training gym in wandsworth wandsworth common Uh, But the focus was very much on facilitating mums that wanted to bring their children to training with them. 
So we had little play areas set up and toy boxes, and it was all kind of, it was all a great idea, and it mostly worked really, really well. But one of the things that I learned very early on, and postnatal particularly became kind of my passion, it was part of my degree, part of my thesis, all that kind of stuff, um, was actually that if I was wearing a client's baby, our sessions just would not get interrupted. So what tended to happen, and it happened for a number of years, was new mum would turn up with baby, I would strap them in the baby carrier, I would wear the baby, I would train mum, mum would disappear afterwards, baby was really happy, generally slept through, all that kind of stuff, and I got the nickname the baby man, which as a sort of mid to late 20s, thinking you're quite cool, hanging out in South London, it's not a brilliant nickname, if I'm honest, Um, but it was quite useful from a business point of view. So it was kind of like, have you seen the baby man? Because whether we were training in the gym or we were out on one of the commons, I generally have a baby strapped to me that was not my own (laughs) at that stage. Um, I have subsequently had my own strapped to me. But what was really apparent was that clients' adherence and their ability to complete a session in a kind of low-stress environment really went through the roof. And it just kind of worked for everybody. The babies were happy. And as you know, as a parent, if your baby's happy, you're just more chilled out and relaxed about the whole thing. So you can concentrate on what you're actually doing. So kind of got this reputation that clients would get really good results, but also feel really happy and positive about the whole experience because baby had been with them, but happy, uh, not kind of crawling and clambering all over them. And then it was about seven, probably almost six and a half, seven years ago now, I I kind of, I was demonstrating yet another set of movements wearing somebody else's baby. And I was like, hang on a minute. If I can constantly be demonstrating exercise wearing a baby, you could probably do a lot of this wearing your own baby. And then we could have more people here and all the babies would be happy. And I'd started training in baby wearing and doing some of the baby wearing courses and qualifications and it kind of all went from there I took it to a a, an old colleague of mine that was quite senior in the fitness industry for one of the accrediting bodies and she told me I was nuts uh, and that nobody would ever do it and go for it and and then I went away and kind of stubbornly sort of tested it we invited some NCT groups down trained them for six weeks for free and then we'd have another lot and get feedback and tweak the model and we had special music created for our live classes where it's punctuated with sensory sounds so the babies don't get bored while mum stops moving all, all kind of really trying to basically figure out every little detail that we could to keep baby happy so that mum wasn't interrupted uh, and then sort of got it to the point where it was ready to to launch as a class and um, opened it up in Slice in in, uh, Parsons Green and nobody came. Literally nobody came for months on end. Um, And I just used to stand in an empty room practicing these moves, thinking this is mad, this is on the timetable. Every now and then one person would come and we'd do this like weird one-to-one exercise to music class. And then there was one week, there was three ladies came together um, to slice in Parsons Green and lined them all up. Everyone moved in sync. Everyone hit all of the music and we did this workout and they were all so happy at the end of it. And I thought, that's that's it. This is it. This is the start of Carry Fit. Everyone's going to get it now. And next week they didn't come back. (laughs) And it transpires, thankfully, they were just away. And then they did come back. And within three months, we were teaching every day of the week every class was a sellout couldn't get a space within a year of that we had 100 classes all over London 
Um, we'd created some training that was dual accredited so we could train new trainers. Um, and then we launched a really bad first version of our online platform, which has evolved quite a lot subsequently. Um, and the rest kind of, as they say, is history, but it was a little bit of, um, yeah, quite a lot of odd looks at the start and a fair bit of perseverance, but, um, very glad that we stuck with it because now we've, as a business, we've supported over 20,000 new mums between live classes and our online membership where we've had members in 20 countries already. So brilliant so it's, it's all gone a bit it's all gone a bit nuts and obviously with lockdown and everyone needing to train at home and um people very aware that they're not getting the normal kind of experiences of early parenthood mm. sits in a really nice kind of sweet spot of fitness plus a bit of sensory for your baby lots of bonding benefits mm. so um yeah it's been it's been i know for a lot of people it's been a real sort of useful tool and community during lockdown Absolutely. And you have a Facebook page, don't you? And also live sessions. So there's that ability to connect a little bit. Yeah, we do. So we, we in lockdown, we did a few things. We did some free community classes in partnership with Erga Baby on YouTube, which were nuts. The first ones, I mean, we're not um, we're not like Joe Wicks or anything like that. But for relative for our, our sort of experience, it was fairly nuts. And then, yeah, we've got a really active online members Facebook group where there's lots of chat. And people can ask a question and we've had various people meet up off that group in, in real life, which I think is just amazing. Um, and then, yeah, we live stream three times a week into the members area. So that's one of the things that, that we know people really enjoy. It commits them to a time, but also they get to ask whoever's teaching questions and have some chat with the others that are there. And you just feel a little bit more part of it when you when you do it live. And I think all of those um, connections and all of those new ways of interacting have become increasingly meaningful for people. And particularly, and you might have found this a bit yourself, particularly for first time mums versus second time mums, where you might not yet have a group of friends that have had babies. And if, you know, certainly at the start of lockdown, when everything was closed, mum and baby wise, mm. people really were looking online to find their kind of their tribe, their mums that are into the same sort of stuff. So, yeah, we were very fortunate to, to have that and see it grow in lockdown. Mm, absolutely. Well, well done for persevering. I know what it's like because I used to be, well, I am actually, I still am. Um, <laughs> I still am. It feels like a previous life, a yoga teacher. So I know what it's like when you start up classes and nobody comes and then, you know, you do online stuff and nobody comes. So I know what it's like. Well done for persevering. How amazing. Yeah, it's, it's a fairly, yeah, it's a fairly, uh, it's a fairly lonely experience when, uh, when nobody walks in the room, especially when a few people have already told you you're bonkers and nobody would come. <laughs> you begin to wonder whether they were right. Yes. But um, thankfully not. No, well, it's so fantastic. I mean, we we absolutely love baby wearing, um, and you know, I can I can barely fit in a workout. If I there was nowhere, I'd be able to fit in a workout actually without Elwood, <laughs> either on the floor or on me. And then when I started doing your workouts, I thought this is just genius because you know, as a mum of two, the only time really I can do it is either first thing in the morning when Amaldine's still in bed or nap time when she's asleep, and Elwood is not asleep um just shove him on me and away we go it's brilliant so that that nap time sort of conundrum i guess is one of the 
biggest challenges that parents face and particularly those that want to work out be active how can you have a reliable nap time because as we all know you don't really there's no such thing not really and as soon as you think you've hit one routine changes and you're on a new nap schedule mm-hmm. and I think with the, one of the great things with carry fit when you kind of follow the process through and you feed them and you layer them and you change them and then you pop them in whether they're awake or asleep there you know there's a good 12 to 18 months where they genuinely love being close to you being in the carrier having the movement whether they're facing in or out it's quite a different experience for them sensory wise when they're very little and it's in it helps with their early language and speech and they can see your face and it helps with their thermoregulation and their vestibular system development and then when they're facing outwards they're literally watching and learning movements from what they're seeing and feeling and the whole kind of developmental benefits of carry fit always blows my mind Mm. it's one of the very logical yet underreported kind of reasons as to why it works so well for so many babies. They genuinely love it and benefit from it. Mm. So you were talking a little bit in your baby wearing movie, which I recommend everybody watches because it's (laughs) brilliant. But you were discussing, you know, a lot of the developmental uh, benefits for babies, especially ones around doing, you know, carrying them whilst you're working out so temperature rising and can you go into that a little bit deeper for us just to for the for the listeners yeah, so, so the way I always kind of explain to people and I guess it's easier for lots of people if you kind of split it into sort of pre six months and it's kind of loose but pre five to seven months and post find five to seven months so the kind of real classic fourth trimester baby wearing when typically you would have them facing inwards on you um then they're learning all kinds of things. They're learning their vestibular systems developing. So that's their ability to recognize where they are in time and space. So they feel movement. They find it very comforting. It's very familiar because it's not dissimilar from where they were only a few weeks or months ago. So they find it comforting. When you move and you're active with a baby, that natural motion, but also the slight rise in your temperature, your smell, Again, they find that really, really reassuring, particularly if they're in new spaces or new places or with new people, because they can sense the proximity and the secure sense that they get from just your physical presence and touch. And people are quite well uh, versed these days on the kind of touch benefits skin on skin is a really big thing I mean every single dad on Instagram has their baby on their bare chest and it's like the thing to do isn't it and you know I'm bonding with my baby but actually the easiest way to extend that is baby wearing Mm. you know it's all of the same benefits it's touch it's smell it's it's kind of intimacy and then they're learning sort of uh, their thermoregulation is developing through those early months. So their ability to, to sort of manage their own heart rate, their own temperature, they're learning all of that from you and from that proximity of literally boom, boom, sort of heart to heart. And it's really kind of very important. And then as they become a bit more aware of their surroundings and they're starting to develop their head and neck strength and they're really watching you, they're watching mouth patterns, they're hearing sounds, uh, particularly when you're out and about, they're learning how to communicate, who's friendly, who's not, what's, you know, um, think of a busy London street. If they're looking at you, lots of noises that might be scary in a buggy when they can't immediately reference your face, as soon as they can see your reaction to police car going past, barking dog whatever it might be they know it's not shocking it's not alarming it's normal it's nothing to worry about 
And so they're learning and just absorbing these things the whole time. And, and what they know now from all the research is that actually all of this early baby wearing, it actually pr promotes really secure attachment. And rather than there being this kind of slightly outdated notion that you're creating a bit of a rod for your own back and your baby will never want to be put down, actually when you do come to put them down and when they're ready for it, they're way more socially adept, cognitively and physically better, and they've got, because of the secure attachment they've got, they're actually really socially confident. So it's actually the complete inverse of what people think, um, which, again, always kind of blows my mind. And then the bigger babies, when they're outwards and they're world-facing, so, and we hear, we talk about this quite a lot, um, when can you, and it's a really common question, I'd be amazed if somebody hasn't asked it, but when can you turn your baby round and, and have them outward-facing in a carrier? Um, and there's a few developmental things to look for, and we can get into those if you want. But but the benefits of that bit then are they've got kind of best of both. So they're starting to explore the world under their own steam. They're facing outwards, but they've still got the physical proximity and touch contact peace of mind that being on you gives them versus them kind of flying solo in a buggy or or, or something like that. So it's really that kind of best of both as they start to explore the world on their own terms. You also get those kind of magical parenting moments where because you're kind of lined up with them, you can see exactly what is making them have such a animated response or getting them quite so excited. And those kind of like moments for parents, I always think, they're the bits you remember when they're, you know, like mine are answering back and telling you, no, daddy, I'm not tidy in my room, do one. Um, <laughs> um, you know, they're, but they're really, they're really kind of magical. They're really shared moments. Um, and I, I, I just absolutely love that about baby wearing. Mm. So what should you look out for? Because you're right, that is a very popular question that we've been asked. What should you look out for when you think your baby's ready to turn around? So there's, there's kind of three, it splits into three main groups and, and you need to basically tick all, all three boxes and then they can world face. So the first one is uh, your carrier actually needs to facilitate world facing baby wearing and not all carriers types and styles do. Some of them are only designed for baby to be facing inwards on you. So you need to have a world facing carrier. That's, that's kind of the first and most obvious. And then there's the physiological development of your baby. So they need to have full head and neck control. So the simple kind of test, if you sit them on your hand and support their back, and I know this is a, uh, a podcast, and not a video, but if you imagine a baby sat up on your hand and you're kind of coochie-cooing, its head shouldn't be bobbling around all over the place. They should be choosing where they look and how long they fix their gaze there for. So they should have head control in all directions. And that's really important because otherwise it's just too much facing outwards for their musculature, their developing musculature to cope with. And then finally is, is the one that, again, I find the most kind of interesting. And that's they've got to be socially and emotionally ready to face the world without your face as a reference point. So that's where that slightly extended period facing inwards, particularly when you're in busy places or with new people or new spaces, becomes really beneficial because actually if you wear them inwards for a little bit longer and get them used to those environments, then when you do turn them around, they're still at ease with it because it's the same noises. They're just having a better look at it. And I think the other thing that people kind of often, 
uh, maybe don't quite get right. And it's a simple one of carrier fitting. Mm. But if your carrier is properly fitted and your baby's nice and high on you, and you'll find this with Elwood because he's so much bigger, he'll sit a bit higher on you. Actually, their field of vision is pretty much identical if they're in a good position on you facing inwards. So they're not missing out on anything by facing inwards on you in terms of what they can see. They just immediately get that reference back to you to see what the response is. So there should be no rush to spin them round. Uh, and then there's lots of little kind of safety things that always it's important to note that, you know, if ever they go sleepy, they should always sleep facing inwards, never facing outwards. Um, head and neck support when they do go sleepy becomes paramount again, because like all of us, you go floppy at the head and neck when you're asleep, babies are no different. So there's, there's a few things to consider. And, and I mean, you touched on the, part of the reason we made that, that little, well, we, there's four parts of it that are going out. But part of the reason we made that little movie is baby wearing is made infinitely more joyous and so much easier if you just understand it a bit. And it's like, um, you know, you go to an NCT class or an antenatal class and you practice putting on a nappy on a dummy baby. So we've all, we've all kind of done it. And, and even though when it comes to your own baby, you're all fingers and thumbs the first times and you invariably get peed on in the face if you've had a little boy and all, all the good stuff. Oh, yeah, thank goodness. <laughs> it's the 10 second rule, uncover it, cover it back up. Yeah. Ten. <laughs> um, but with baby wearing often, and we see it a lot with, with carry fit mums at live classes is often the first time they want to put baby in the carrier is the first time they get the carrier out of the box. Mm. Uh, and so it can create this kind of quite stressful dynamic where you're a bit stressed because you don't know how your carrier works and therefore baby gets a bit stressed and then you don't have a great first baby wearing experience and then for some people when you're parenting that's enough that's you know my baby doesn't like being in the carrier and they never try it again and that that literally makes my heart hurt so we want to always try and communicate as much as possible through carry fit that actually if you just spend half an hour practicing with your carrier getting used to it before you ever want to put your baby into it it's totally game-changing mm. i did it with a teddy uh practiced loads of teddy when i was still pregnant because but but i, rem I remember it still you know even when i practiced a bit you know it was a we were going out we were going out for a walk with my husband's parents and it was all quite stressful and you know amaldine this is with amaldine she'd probably pooped everywhere if i remember correctly and we were in a bit of a rush so it was stressful anyway you know so then having a idea of what you're doing to put them in the carrier um definitely a good idea but yeah when i was pregnant we just practiced with a teddy bear Hello, yeah, which is absolutely brilliant. And then completely kind of logical. I don't know many parents that have undone their buggy and the first time they put their buggy up or their car seat up is the first time they put their baby in it. You've generally had to play with it and figured it out. What buttons do you press? You know, I remember having a fight with a bugaboo in Sainsbury's car park in Ballam and a very kind mum walked past and sort of said, it's much easier if you press the button. Um, you know, trying to get it back in the boot and, and often it's like just little tiny things knowing where the clips go where the buckles go it can just completely change those those first experiences and that's really important for, for parents and for babies that you have as good a first experience as you can you may remember Leslie Gilchrist, CEO and Clinical Director of My Expert Midwife, joining me on the podcast in Series 9. Leslie shared an incredible amount of knowledge. 
The midwives at My Expert Midwife have created some easy checklists and guides to help you through your pregnancy and birth journey. From perineal massage, pain relief, to preparing your hospital bag and prioritising your recovery. They have a fantastic expert advice section on www.myexpertmidwife.com. Do go and have a look. They will most likely answer a lot of those pressing questions that you need expertly covered. We are now so incredibly lucky to have direct access to the wonderful team at My Expert Midwife. This year, they launched antenatal classes, which are 100% midwife-led. If you are pregnant and planning for birth, whether you're a first-time mum or having your second or third baby, these are for you. They are evidence-based, preparing you and your partner for the realities of childbirth, replacing the anxiety of the unknown with the excitement and anticipation, helping you to enjoy the journey. Visit www.myexpertmidwife.com to learn more. So let's rewind a little bit. So what should um, parents be looking for in a carrier when they first go about looking to purchase a carrier? Because, you know, they're not cheap and they are, um, you know, you you want to be trying them before you buy them, basically, don't you? Yeah, you do. So I think there's a couple of, couple of kind of approaches to take is either go and find a, a sling library or a baby wearing consultant and there's loads of them and they're always really helpful, very passionate about their topic and just try a load on just go and try them all on and see what works for you but I think more important than that for me and the bit of advice that I guess we've given people down the years that has generally stood people in really good stead is figure out what you want to get out of that carrier so if you want a one carrier that's going to last you from newborn until they're 15 kilos and you've got them on your back going through the airport because it's way easier than pulling them on a drunkie or whatever um then those are the carriers you need to look at if you're only interested in baby wearing because you want that extended close contact skin to skin and you want something really earthy and wrap style then investigate and learn how to tie wraps although i don't know anybody that started with a wrap that hasn't decided baby wearing is brilliant and (laughs) gone on beyond it And then I think for all of these things, obviously, as parents, we all want to know that whatever we're doing for our children, we're doing the best in terms of their health. So there's a lot of chat around carriers that are hip healthy. Mm. Um, And all that means is they put babies' hips in a really good position. And that's, again, particularly relevant for those first kind of six months where hip joints are still developing and spinal structures still developing in babies and they need that extra support. So... There's normally a little kite mark on carriers that you can see from the International uh, Hip Dyslapsia Institute that's kind of a good good bellwether. Most of the big brands will carry those. And then really it's getting one that fits you. So not all carriers have the same amount of adjustability and they don't all fit the same size and shape of person really well. So what might work really well for your husband, partner, whatever might not be the best choice for you. So figure out who's going to wear the most. Um, Carriers like Baby Bjorns, I've always described them as they're quite a big fit carrier. So a dad can kind of, you know, big, I know that again, podcast, not video, big chunky bloke like me, you can whack on a Baby Bjorn dead easy. It just kind of is there where you want it. But actually for a lot of the mums that we work with, they can't actually adjust them enough to fit their torsos well. So they don't feel supported by them. Something like an Erga baby or a Tula, they have about three inches more adjustability. 
so they can fit smaller frames, narrower shoulders. You can cross strap them mm, at the right. back, mm. um, which can be absolutely game changing if you've got sort of smaller, narrower shoulders. So really, it's it's trying to figure out what you want to use the carrier for, how long you might want to use it for, and then don't. I, I, carriers aren't the cheapest, but if you think about the money that we all or lots of us spend on buggies. Oh, yeah, those end up as the world's most expensive shopping trolley, <laughs> and you end up with your baby strapped to you, pushing your buggy down the road full of shopping. Yeah, um, we did like a little, uh, and you can go to our blog and find it. But we did a little cost per wear analysis of how many times, if you wear the pop, sort of popular carriers, how much they cost you per wear, and it doesn't take much to get that cost per wear down to sort of under 10p a wear, even down as low as sort of three and four pence per wear over the first year of your baby's life. And when you consider that people, on average, the, the stats are frightening, spend thousands, actually just over £10,000 a year on baby stuff in that first year, which is quite frightening, yeah? Um, a carrier at maybe 60 to £160 could be a really great investment um the other thing you know if you choose well and wisely it will last you multiple children mm -hmm. and then the final thing with carriers is there's a really amazing second-hand market in them yes there is yeah so if you if you want to save money and you're not somebody that's you know overly worried about having everything new and that's something i know that was different for us child to child you know flurry everything was new felix <laughs> <laughs> second one yeah that'll do um but, but there's a really thriving second-hand carrier market um because they get used they get loved they get looked after and washed and they're good to go for a, for another baby or or more so there's lots of ways to get something great and not um not not sort of break the bank mm, absolutely you, you reminded me of the funniest thing which always stays with me um, having your buggy as your supermarket, whatever you said, which was just brilliant just then. We we were leaving hospital and my friend who just had her baby was um, had just come in to give the midwives chocolates and wine and stuff. And I just remember her standing there. She was wearing her baby in a wrap and she was pushing her buggy back and forth, rocking the buggy. The buggy was full of chocolate and wine. I love it. <laughs> and she was wearing her baby. And my husband said, why are you rocking the buggy? You're wearing your baby. And she <laughs> oh, yeah, so I am. <laughs> that, that damn wine just wouldn't go to sleep. No, and it's so true, isn't it? I found myself doing it with the actual shopping trolley, just pushing it back and forth, because you're just in a daze, aren't you, in those newborn yeah, days? It's a complete... It's the same reason that people, when they baby wear, they tend to sway. Yes. Yes. It's the most natural, becomes the most natural kind of muscle memory movement for new parents. I mean, people can't see this, but right now as we're talking, you're doing it with Elwood. Just, you know, and this, it goes back to that whole bit of baby's love movement. To them, it's absolutely magic. It's the most calming, natural thing for them to be moving, um, you know, particularly when in contact with you. Oh, absolutely. I cannot sit still and hold Elwood. That just doesn't happen, whether I'm baby-wearing or not. It's just, it's not allowed, apparently. <laughs> There's no sitting still ever for me. <laughs> um, so, based on your um, incredible experience and knowledge, what what baby, um, what 
baby wearer would you essentially recommend to a new mum? So based uh, based on all of those kind of things that we've gone through, mm. there are a couple of carriers, and and for kind of full transparency and disclosure, we do work with Ergo Baby, mm-hmm. um, and we have done for for four years. But we work with them for really kind of simple reason. After all of the work we've done developing carry carry fit and training in baby wearing and be exposed to all the carriers on the market. Ergo Baby as a range had something to offer everybody. And for us, that was really important mm-hmm. because they do phenomenal wraps if you want to wrap. Mm-hmm. They do an unbelievable um, semi-structured carrier called an embrace, which is like a wrap, but you don't need to learn how to tie it. It's just two clips. It's fantastic. We've got that one as well. And we've been loving it with Elwood. I love it because it gives you the softness and feeling. Yeah, but completely. But it's easier and quicker to get on. It really is kind of kind of best of both. And then actually recently Ergo Baby have brought out two carriers that are are quite kind of game-changing really in terms of parents that want to be active because they've used different fabrics, they're part recycled, they're completely breathable. Um, so yeah, they are they're they're unbelievably useful, um, particularly for active-minded parents. So yeah, the the, the carry fit um the heirloom carrier um, and the Omni Breeze, which um, which is almost completely kind of mesh, really lightweight. But again, from our point of view, you can cross strap it. So if you are smaller framed, you can get a great fit. Um, and if you're a big chunky bloke like me, you, you can H strap it and it will still fit really well as well. So, I mean, we do love Ergos. There's lots of other great carriers that are out there. There's loads of other good brands. I say that the most important thing is that you, it's it's designed for what you want to use it for mm. and it, that it fits you properly. And once you've got those two bits sussed, then just get to grips with it. Get you get really familiar with it. Mm. And you and you kind of won't go won't go far wrong. But no, I mean Ergo Baby for me, they are the market leader. They're streets ahead in terms of innovation. And I just think streets ahead in terms of understanding what parents need from a carrier Mm. in terms of being adjustable, lasting forever, being able to roll it up and click it up and bung it in the washing machine when it gets puked on. You know, all those kind of things really, really matter because they will they will happen and you will be washing your carrier at some point. Oh, my gosh. So Amandine was never a pukey baby, but Elwood is ridiculously pukey, but also he shat in the carrier the other day. That was nice. Beautiful. Yeah, there you go. Really nice. So that went straight in the wash. The apocalypse. <laughs> Exactly. God, exactly. Um, One thing we haven't touched on, I know we've touched on all of the benefits for baby side, but also the mental health of mum carrying baby, I think is is huge, isn't it? Just being able to wear and even, you know, get on with things and in the early days, especially... there is and you're you're absolutely right Emma and it's kind of it's it's twofold again it's the freedom that baby wearing gives you because put simply your hands free so if you do have that kind of inverted commas teflon baby that won't be put down or has reflux and can't be put down those kind of things then baby wearing gives you freedom back you can get out the door go walk meet a mate whatever it might be you can explore places that are a bit more rugged that you can't take a buggy wonderful things like that but then the actual hormonal chemical changes mm. of um, that that closeness that you get and it's it's a pretty straightforward kind of equation to explain to people cuddles make us feel good 
And cuddles from our own baby make us feel even better than good. And baby wearing done well, done properly, is just a hands-free cuddle. Mm -hmm. So you kind of create this wonderful, virtuous mental health circle of I'm getting a cuddle, that feels amazing. You're asleep on me and you, your head smells lovely. And I'm having a coffee and a chat with my mate walking around the park, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. So you, the, the mental health benefits of baby wearing are huge. We had a, actually had a study done into carry fit and actually the bonding score for parents who did carry fit and therefore the knock on to their mental health. And actually where we were able with through carry fit to skew postnatal depression scores and create a statistically significant difference in, in those in an eight week period. And it's because of all of these things, it's exercise, it's activity, it's freedom, but it's it's the chemistry of a cuddle. Mm. Um, and that's that's kind of the way to think of a baby wearing in its most basic sense. It's a hands-free cuddle. Who mm. doesn't like a cuddle? Oh, yeah. You're so right. You're so right. So moving on from baby wearing into uh, postnatal fitness. Um, so we had quite a lot of questions around. I can never say this right, but hopefully I. Astasis recti, I would bet. Ah, oh, <laughs> the one. First question was: Can you avoid getting it all together? No. No, that's what I thought. And the second. But I'll explain. I'll explain why properly. But go on, finish yeah, off. The, the the kind of second part to that question was how or what should you be avoiding things to essentially not get it or to reduce it in size? No, I mean, so there's, there's two two things to think about here. So the, the kind of body of research on, on diastasis is, is growing constantly. It's an area that creates a lot of attention, a lot of passion from people, but also, sadly, a lot of misinformation as well. The simplest way to explain it is that you have to have some degree of diastasis when you are full-term pregnant because that's how you've made room for your baby. So it is your body doing its absolute evolutionary designed job. So all mums will have some degree of it when they give birth. So you can't avoid it and there's nothing you can do uh, and it shouldn't be anything that you worry about. Now, for some people after birth, it resolves itself very quickly. And for others, it takes time and requires a bit more focused attention. But what there should never be is any kind of fear-mongering or negative language around it. You're not broken. Your body hasn't done anything wrong. You don't need to, inverted commas, fix anything because mm -hmm. you only fix something if it's broken and you're not broken. Your body's done its most natural, amazing, incredible thing it's capable of. You're literally ensuring the survival of the human race. <laughs> However, for lots of mums, it's a troubling topic. It's a physiological change that can be... Um, quite challenging to come to terms with aesthetically. And then, yes, there are protocols and processes postnatally to help it to re-strengthen and resolve in a really good kind of organised fashion. Certain exercises should be avoided, not nearly as many as people thought a few years ago. Again, the body of research on the importance of loading the postnatal body, working against resistance, be that your body weight or extra weight. It's all leading, uh, you know, in the direction of this is what we're designed to do. People that tell you you can't lift weights after birth or after a period of waiting after birth, it's kind of nonsensical because every single day you are lifting a weight. Yeah. 
Uh, and, you know, take, take your current situation as a case in point, Emma, you're lifting a big weight relative to you yeah. and 50% bigger than the weight you had to lift first time around at this stage. Mm -hmm. So to say, don't pick up your baby, you're going to do this, that and the other. It's kind of logically, it's nonsensical, but yet people still put this out there. So there's a, there's a series of things you should do. You should certainly learn how to check your own tummy gap. You should, if you can, um, see if a women's health physio is always a great shout. If you can't see a women's health physio, um, we actually have a completely free carry fit membership that's listed in the Royal College of GPs clinical lifestyle toolkit with a nine part physio series where you can learn all about it and kind of unlock the mystery of it and get a bit of peace of mind and some exercises that you can start with. Which I went through actually and found it incredibly helpful. I learned how to test my own gap and it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of a lot of the fear comes from kind of a lack of understanding combined with that sort of terrible thing that we all do as parents, which is Google stuff. Oh, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> um, which can lead you down some really sort of bad rabbit holes. But ultimately, the, the postnatal tummy, the pelvic floor, everything should always centre initially around restoring function. And once everything works as it should on a muscular level, then it's time, patience and persistence that can have it looking anyhow that you want. Mm -hmm. But form and function should always come first. And if people kind of, as hard as it is, because everybody's postnatal fitness journey is so unique and has such a span of timelines, but if everybody can just follow the same processes at their own speed, you won't go far wrong i think as a general rule of thumb and certainly in my almost now 20 years of experience of supporting mums somewhere between months four and ten and i know that's a big spread and that's hard for some people to probably hear but if you're consistent between months four and ten really kind of amazing things will happen with your body and your fitness there's also hormonal aspects at play relaxing floating around your body your connective tissue takes time to restore if you're breastfeeding you're hormonally you're different than somebody that stopped breastfeeding so there's a whole range of things to factor in and and really i mean what we try and do with that that free membership is actually just kind of give people all the factors that affect you know, returning to full fitness and then they can figure out where they slot in and make it personal to them. And I think if you can demystify all these things, then you're going to look after people way better than trying to fit everybody into a box of you've got to do this, you've got to do that. It's week 10, do this. Mm. Um, if you give them the information and, and empower them a bit to understand their own bodies, then they can figure their own way back. Mm, absolutely. And within the Carry Fit programme, there's specific exercises to do with di diastasis, aren't there? <laughs> <laughs> there is, yeah. So it, as I say, it all starts with kind of understanding how to check it. And then there's, there's this effectively core and pelvic floor activation modules that you work through. And, and once you've kind of got to grips with one, you move on to the next one. And for some people, they'll get to grips with them in two sessions and others it'll take 10. Yes, and that's that's the bit that everyone has to kind of remember and, and understand and appreciate. Absolutely. We have another question on pelvic floor. Mm. What are the best exercises to be doing? Again, really, really, really interesting question because there's a lot of um, 
a lot of kind of thinking that, you know, for a pelvic floor, uh, they should be quite small, isolated movements. You'd look at things like heel slides, heel drops. Um, you might look at just lying pelvic floor or standing pelvic floor activations and breath work. Mm. However, there's, in, again, a growing body of research. There's actually the single exercise that fires the most activity in your pelvic floor as a group of muscles is a squat, followed by a lunge. Because again, if you think about the evolution of the human body, you're designed to bend down, pick up, lift and carry your child. Because in the old days, you wouldn't be safe leaving them on the floor. Yeah. So it's kind of logical that those big body movements would cause that muscular response that can actually help restore you. So what we're beginning to kind of understand, and as all these various areas are starting to increasingly overlap from the medical to the physio to the fitness, is that actually you want a kind of well-rounded approach. So you want to be able to isolate and control your breathing, your core, your pelvic floor. You want to know you can switch your pelvic floor both on and off because some people can switch on but can't switch off. But then you also want to be able to do that and have that activation through bigger, more practical whole body movements that actually impact day-to-day -day life. Mm -hmm. It's no good being able to control your pelvic floor on a gentle little heel slide in a beautiful meditative state on the floor if you've then got to go and pick up a 12-pound baby two seconds mm -hmm. later because they're about to open a cupboard and tip Rice Krispies everywhere. So it's kind of, it's blending the two and trying to apply the kind of principles of core and pelvic floor activation to bigger movements, whole body movements, multi-muscle movements. So that's, that's what increasingly everybody's moving towards as best practice. So understand it, activate it, and then apply it to bigger, more practical movements. Mm. Had a really interesting question, actually, which this is quite a specific one, but she struggles lifting her car seat without feeling a dragging sensation kind of pelvic floor type. Is yeah. So I mean, doing yeah, I mean, when you hear words like dragging mm. or bulging or doming, these are things that responsibly as an exercise professional without screening somebody, meeting somebody, my initial knee jerk with that would be mention it to your doctor and ask for a physio appointment. Would, would be the simple one because most people particularly postnatally you're actually way more in tune with your body than you've probably ever been before so if something feels unusual and most people can tell the difference between usual muscular response so often people will feel a twinge in their back when they lift their car seat or their shoulder will get sore because there's such awkward off-center objects mm -hmm. that one for me that that screams mention it to the doctor ask for a physio referral mm -hmm. i have to say that was one of the best things i did after having amaldine was go to a women's physio um and it was just brilliant she was great and tested all the things like pelvic floor gave me lots of specific movements and it was more reassuring than anything, actually, to know that my my body wasn't in pieces. <laughs> yeah, and it is. And it's, it's that peace of mind. And, you know, think of seeing a women's health physio just as a kind of it's just a it's just a check of the area that's been under the most stress and duress. Mm through the whole kind of process. It's a really good common sense thing and not everybody can access them. And there's a big spread of availability from country to country. It's part of the postnatal process through most of Europe. It's not here, mm -hmm. um, but there's great resources online. You can, you know, you can do a lot of things now remotely that you wouldn't have dreamt being able to access a few years ago. And certainly 
you can get to the point in terms of online resources where you can kind of know categorically, okay, I've gone through all of that. I mean, we've got kind of a symptom checker mm. in with our physio with Lucy where and if any of those crop up, you're off to your, to your GP mm. to, to get back into the, to the system and, and request support. Mm, which is brilliant. So another question, which I guess is really dependent on, oh, thanks, Elwood, <laughs> dependent on how you're feeling, but how many times should we be working out a week? Uh, I mean, it dep- It really does depend that, and it's it's a really interesting one when it comes to, to new mums and new parents in general, to be honest. Exercise protocol, the uh, sort of biomechanics and physiology protocol would tell us that we need to train two to four times a week to create an adaptive response. So if we want to see some change, it's just not always practical. Okay. But it's always meaningful. And I think the biggest thing... If there was one thing that I could kind of um, drum into people, it would be kind of aim low. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds bonkers, but don't. For a, there's a reason that most people don't want to do a 15 minute workout at home when they've got a new baby, and that's because it's so far removed from the workout they used to do at the trendy boutique gym, where they'd have a lovely shower afterwards and then sit and have a juice. Take the opportunities that you've got aim low in terms of you know what if 15 minutes is what I've got it's going to be a really good 15 minutes working on the stuff I need to work on Mm. and you will move forward and if you can hit two to four of those a week in six months you will be a completely different person physiologically Mm. and I think often that's where some people really struggle it's that massive disconnect between the old life and the new reality Mm. And then they can find they've got a one-year-old and they might be back at work or whatever. They haven't really ever managed to establish a fitness habit because all of those 15, 20 minute, those 30 minute at-home opportunities, they've seen them as not worthwhile or not worthy. Yes. And actually they are massively worthwhile and unbelievably worthy. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I also think it's really important to say that, you know, as as new mums, we're doing a lot as well as working out, you know, even just putting your car seat in the car or picking up your baby a gazillion times a day, even just wearing them, baby wearing them around the house, even though it's not a workout, you're still doing a lot of movements, throwing yourself off balance. You are. So people should never underestimate activity Mm. and they should never kind of um, also underestimate just how much you can benefit from integrating simple things and it, it is if you live five minutes from from the shops don't drive mm-hmm. stick the baby in the carrier and walk and walk back it's, mm-hmm. it's a win in every kind of sense so there's lots of little things that you can do just to be active to feel better but yeah don't don't think big when you're a new mum with a new baby and lots of plates spinning think small meaningful opportunities you know a lot of our online workouts they start there the core ones are 10 minutes they're 10 minutes for a reason i want you to be able to get them done mm. you know and then the workouts sort of start at 17 minutes and, and we never go past 36 minutes there's not a workout in 300 hours of content in our online membership that's longer than 36 minutes because i want you to get them done because mm. that's more important um than than all the other stuff that perhaps we used to think was part of a workout and it's actually not the meaningful part. No, no, absolutely. This is a question after my own heart because I would like you to answer it too. But how do you do, uh, when is the best time, sorry, to do a workout with a newborn and a toddler? 
Oh, I mean, that is... If anybody's got a universal gold answer to that, then I'd love to have it. Me too, please. <laughs> it's really hard. I mean, I think there's 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 probably two things that we've seen anecdotally from, from lots of our parents, and we're very fortunate with Carrie, particularly the online membership. We have lots of people return and do it for a second time, and they might have a two-year-old or a three-year-old, and they've got a new baby, and they're back into CowFit. I think there's two things to kind of consider. Distraction or involvement, and go one way or the other and try both, and appreciate that on any given day, you might have to switch. You can wear one baby for CarryFit. You can remove one baby largely from the interruption equation. But with a toddler, it's way way harder now some toddlers are really interested in watching mum or dad work out and that is wonderful because in terms of their long-term health and your your health ambitions for them as parents that's got to be a good thing for them to see you making time to be active and investing time in yourself there will become a there's a point in every workout with a toddler because I've, I've done them where they lose interest in the workout so you might get half of it done and they're kind of copying and it's all very cute and you're thinking i'll remind you of that on your 18th birthday and make a fool of you um <laughs> then it's distraction isn't it so it's either nap times if they're still napping or it's you know it, it is a bit of snack time is is your next is your next best bet but i think ultimately as well don't kind of overshoot so if you know you've got and, and i'm sure lots of other parents do this as well we kind of divide parenting time into blocks of time it kind of happens naturally with little babies if you know you've got 30 minutes you've probably got two 15 minute blocks within that so they might be engaged for 15 minutes and eating a snack for 15 minutes mm. you get a 30 minute workout done mm. everyone's a winner i think sometimes when people push for too much you end up in this kind of begrudging cycle of always feeling like you're interrupted mm. if you've got an easy 10 minute win to do your core workout for the day and because that's how long it takes to eat a packet of snack jacks then then take that take that 10 minute win because you'll feel better about that 10 minutes than you would about 45 very frustrating minutes mm. Mm. absolutely so this question which actually i think is our last question because i'm pretty sure we have covered all of the other ones and what most of them were on baby wearing how to this is back to baby wearing how to baby wear when it's hot i live in the south of france and i don't feel like i can do it in such heat interesting so single layer of clothing sun cream and um a, a breathable carrier so carrier text changed a lot we've spoken briefly about breathable carriers and airflow and all that kind of stuff so that's that's a real game changer um ergo baby did some brilliant heat mapping of carriers where you can actually see how much uh, impact that airflow has on the temperature of, of wearer and baby which is really great so that's really really useful and then it is it's about just layering baby down sun creaming them up and remembering that actually particularly babies once they're older they're really efficient at regulating their own temperature so it's very 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 hard to have your baby overheat unless you've got them in too many clothes mm. um so it, it, it's not as it, it's more a confidence thing than it is a dangerous thing mm. so it's knowing what to put them in and then enjoying it i mean we've all worn our babies on holiday Mm. Um, actually the bigger concern is what you put them in when it's colder we don't want to overlayer them certainly don't want to put them in snowsuits and things like that our consultant hannah has a very brilliant saying don't put them in a snowsuit unless you're going to put them in the snow 
So if you're not taking them off you and sitting them in the snow, they shouldn't be in a snowsuit in the carrier because that's too that's too much the other way because actually in the winter you'll you will help keep them warm just like you help keep them cool you regulate together so it's yeah it's interesting but it's it's again if if people head to our blog there's actually a couple of um baby wearing for the season specific blogs which are quite useful on the topic fantastic definitely be heading there especially with this weather my goodness it could be autumn already couldn't it what Absolutely. is going on? <laughs> Well, that is the end of everybody's questions. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to add today? No, do you know what? It's been really interesting. I mean, they are, they're good questions. They're questions we get all the time. So I just hope the answers have been useful. And, uh, and that, yeah, even I, I, we've said the same thing since we started COVID. If we help one person a day, that's a good day. Absolutely. So tell everyone, where can they find you? Where can they get hold of um <laughs> Carry fit. You can you can head to carryfit.co.uk, C-A-R-I-F-I-T. Carryfit actually stands for cardio and resistance intervals. It's nothing to do with you wearing your baby, it's the structure of the workouts. Um, or find us on Instagram at carry underscore fit. Fantastic. Well, Ben, thank you so, so much for joining me My today. Pleasure. A huge, huge thank you to Vern for taking the time out of his day to record with me and to give lots and lots of knowledge to all of you guys listening. I hope you found something useful in that podcast. Um, Thank you for listening. If you have a moment, please do go and leave a rating or a review wherever you listen to the podcast. It really does help new mums, new parents to find the podcast and to come and join the community and feel supported by episodes just like this where we are sharing lots and lots of knowledge and it's not just my gobbledygook chatter that you're listening to. Lots and lots of love. Have a lovely rest of your week. I will catch up with you guys next week. Stay in touch on Mum Talk Podcast Instagram and I will, as always, put out a question box for our next podcast. I will just say on Friday, we are doing a live with Perflow Sleep Expert. So any sleep questions, I'm going to put a question box up so you can put any questions in there. Um, But we will be doing a session to answer all of your sleep questions questions so make sure you tune in for that lots of more detail to follow so yeah just make sure you're following mum talk podcast all right i'll stop my waffle bye even the second time round, i didn't really know what to pack in my hospital bag i knew what not to pack but there is always a worry that you will have forgotten something you yearn after in labor luckily for us the midwives at my expert midwife have curated a hospital bag set with all their essentials including the brilliant spritz for bits which i can personally recommend it certainly saved my delicate parts post-birth soak for bits no harm nipple balm spritz for labor and labor rollable designed to help calm and focus as our little gift to you my expert midwife have kindly given me an exclusive code to share with you for 10% discount across all products. Head to www.myexpertmidwife.com and use mumtalk10 at checkout and get that hospital bag packed. Don't forget to get your birth partner to pack it for you so they know where everything is. I made that error first time round. <laughs>